Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Cavs a podcast. I'm Nate Smith, and I'm here with Ryan Yankee or Jude Alicia. <laughs> That's a lot of syllables. <laughs> Sorry. No, I'm just it's giving you a hard time. Thing right? I picked up when I was a teenager, and it just kind of—it's a long story. <laughs> and a lot of tattoos on my arms. Well, there you go. <laughs> you're you're an illustrated man. Um. I, huh. I said, I'll take that. <laughs> it's a great collection of st- short stories, so uh, I would take it. It's better it. than how I describe myself, so. <laughs> uh, so, uh, hold on, I'm just pulling up the the game here. My apologies, my NBA score tracker is being goofy, but uh, what was the final margin? Um, Jesus, was that close? I guess it was 11 Well, points. there was a lot of garbage time points. Here we go, yeah. 105.94. Uh, Magic beat the Cavs, uh, won their second in a row against the Cavs after they were tied, you know, going into the two-game series with the Magic. These these two-game series is are, or are strange because they, well, A, we're not used to them in the NBA. B, they're like a double home, which doesn't really feel fair, especially when one team is missing a bunch of guys. But let's be honest. The whole league is having injury issues right now. Um, unfortunately, in this game, probably the biggest storyline was that Markel Fultz uh, blew out his ACL in a kind of a routine, a little bit of contact play, but nothing dirty or extreme or anything with a Coro. Oh, was that the final yeah. I, I didn't yeah. catch what they said it actually was. Yeah, he tore his ACL. He's out for the season. Oh, God. It's the, it did not look that bad. It looked like maybe a knee sprain, but yeah, unfortunately, that's what it ended up being for Markel Fultz. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was a rough one. And, and we're seeing a lot of that. I mean, I think the storyline in this game was, you know, the Cavs did not have enough firepower, uh, to keep up with them. And I didn't realize Chetty was, one for 12 um, on the night. 0 for 7. The Cavs shot an abysmal uh, 4 26 for 3, while Orlando shot 12 of 29. And anytime you give up eight more threes to another team, um, you're just not going to win in today's NBA. Uh, the Cavs also went to the line 26 times, but only made 18 of them. Um, Larry Nance was one of six at the line. Andre Drummond one of four at the line. Um, it, it was a rough night all the way around. I mean, the Cavs ended up 
winning the rebounding battle, but uh, only by a couple after dominating in the first half. So, I mean, it was it, it was a rough one. I, I It started out really well. The Cavs had a double-digit lead in the first quarter. We're playing really well. And kind of what what's some of the stuff that you saw in the first quarter, Ryan, that really wasn't sustainable throughout the whole game or wish you could have been or wish well, it could have been, I guess? Well, there's a few things. First, obviously, the first quarter, Orlando was just as cold as we were, as the Cavs were from three. So that yeah. definitely helped. Um, it, you mentioned the free throw thing, and that's you know that's going to be something that's going to plague us all year because a big part of our lineup are people that aren't very good at free throws. We make up for it in other ways, and that's fine. So we'll have to deal with it. But I mean, I think it was perfectly illustrated by David Woods. Uh, caption of his uh article of the previous game is you can only mash the grit and grind button yeah. so much yeah and they did it for the first half but then it just kind of fell off as the rest of the game went on yeah and, and i mean to me the early foul trouble by andre drummond really killed them because he was right. of all the starter starters not named isaac okoro um he was you know the one that was most impactful to winning. And I just hate, he's like, remember, I don't, not really last year, but the first couple years with Larry in Cleveland, it was like, boy, he just could not help himself from picking up bad fouls early, you know, just trying to make plays that weren't there 40 feet from the basket or, you know, a bad charge foul. And Andre Drummond, trying to make plays that aren't there instead of just, you know, trusting his defense and giving the shot a good contest, going for the rebound, and also just reposting instead of trying to run guys over is really hurting him and hurting the team because he feels like he's been in foul trouble every game for the last few games. No, absolutely. I mean, and you're absolutely right. Dance, that was a big thing early. And every year he's gotten a little bit better at just not reaching and knowing where his limits were. Mm-hmm. And that was a big thing I even remember from uh, Channing Fry's last season in the Cavs, where he suddenly seemed like he was actually a decent defender. Because every year before that, he constantly reached. And every time, and it was because he played short minutes, so he kind of had an excuse. Yeah. But he would constantly reach and constantly get in foul trouble. And I mean, obviously, he's not the kind of defender that Nance or Drummond is. Right. But it, it's that same sort of thing with bigs where they have to know their limits, where it's it's just not worth making that little extra movement to maybe make someone miss. And then suddenly you're in trouble the rest of the game. And once yeah. Drummond hit four fouls, his entire presence on the court changed. Yeah. It's, well, I mean, you could read his body language, just the way that he was defending it had to be different but it was yeah. and to you know in drummond's defense the officiating was garbage that game uh Absolutely. yes the Cavs got to the line more but uh drummond just got hatcheted a few times i mean and just no call there was a lot of there's just a lot of odd plays in the game uh well, that charts that uh sexton got called on uh, i think against cole anthony oh yeah where he just terrible. kind of jumped his shoulder into him and it's like that's a play that's made every single nba game yeah nine out of times it's called a block the other one out of ten it's called no call and somehow it was called a charge and then the same thing happened on the other end of the court and it was the reverse it's yeah well and that's maddening now i will say on that play 
I felt like Sexton extended his arm a ton before that happened. That was kind of the the capstone moment. But yeah, but he pulled his arm before the foul happened, but he had his arm out the entire time, so it made it look like he shoved him. Yeah, yeah. At least that's how I saw it. Yeah. So I, I don't entirely blame the refs for it, but. You know, when you're able to sit back and look at it on replay, it's like, eh, no, actually, he had his arm in at the time that you called it. Yeah. At least in my opinion. Yeah, and this was uh, one where the plus-minus doesn't really tell the whole story because, A, the final score was not nearly this close. Uh, the Cavs were down by over 20 for from the third quarter into well into garbage time, and then only losing by 11 was like was not really indicative of how out of the game the Cavs were. Um, And, yeah, to me, it's more the Cavs... The Cavs are defending at a solid clip, but they cannot score. They are just having a really difficult time scoring. Uh, While they shot 42% as a team, you know, 15% from the three-point line is on 24 shots is, or 26 shots is, is wretched. Sorry, what were you saying? Oh, I was just gonna say, uh, the way I was seeing is basically, uh, for the last couple of games, our offense has been Colin Sexton. He's the one guy you can give the ball and he can get buckets. Yeah. Um, which is great, but, you know, that's not enough. That's usually what you want from a six man or just at least, you know, one of the guys on your starting roster, but we don't have a point guard. It's really a floor general that can get every guy in the team an extra two points. Yeah, and, and to me, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Please finish. But I was just to say, you know, Andre Drummond has been solid offensively the last two games, and, and really all season when he's not, you know, over forcing the issue. But the other issue is he is turning it over a lot. Uh, five turnovers tonight. Uh, you know, one of those being the charge. Or I think he might have had two offensive fouls. But, you know, that is a big deal when you're just giving away possessions. And his passing, while at times very good, it often gets intercepted. But, you know, he's 9 of 16 inside tonight, and they really didn't have an answer for him when he was able to, you know, get his body going to the basket. Uh, He was really good. Um, The other guy who had a solid night, offensively shooting the ball and I was super happy especially in the second half when he was looking for a shot a lot more was Larry Nance who really honestly defers too much as a starting power forward he's got to look for his own shot more and he just doesn't do it enough and and it's actually you know the Cavs have been guilty of overpassing um but aside from you know Larry Nance Andre Drummond and Colin Sexton I really felt like all the Cavs that weren't named those guys took basically the first good shot or the first, not even good, but just kind of good shot that came along and wasted a lot of possessions. Uh, they're really, it was one or two passes and then I'm going to fire this up there instead of, you know, working for a better shot. Uh, Damian Dotson was guilty of that, you know, Oh, a three from outside really felt like he was rushing his shot. JaVale McGee had some forays from the, the high post into the lane that were awful. Yeah, where he didn't he, seem to know where he was. Yeah, he was two of six and threw up a lot of terrible skyhooks, um, thinking he was Kareem, and he's not Kareem. 
<laughs> I think the big thing is that we the team has a lot of really, really good secondary playmakers. But wow. we need a damn point guard. I, I wouldn't and, say really, really good. They have a lot of guys you can be secondary playmakers. Um, well, it's yeah. Larry Nance, for example. Right. I, I mean, Jetty Osmond had seven assists tonight. Yeah. But you don't want to rely on him to actually be the point guard. You distribute to him, and he moves the ball, and he had some incredible plays. And honestly, if the team could hit a, hit a damn shot all night, he would have had 14 assists. Um, but you don't want him running point. Yeah. Uh, Colin Sexton has improved his vision a lot, but you still don't really want him running point. Yeah. Uh, Andre Drummond, it can be really good at moving out of the, moving the ball out of the paint, out of the post, but you need someone to get the ball to him in good position and you need the offense to be set up. So he's not just winging a pass out of nowhere or just forcing up a bad shot. So it's, I, I really think we have quite a few very good secondary playmakers, not to mention the people that are on the injured list right now. But without Garland, without Delhi, uh, it's it, and without Dante, it's just really difficult to get some of our plays started. And then when we're mit, when we're breaking, you know, fourteen open threes in a row or whatever, yeah, it starts to destroy the confidence in the offense in general. I mean, again, I think Jetty had an amazing game, except for the fact that he couldn't sink a basket. Yeah, and he he, unfortunately, the other problem was. You know, the threes were mostly good shots, although they really took a lot of threes out of, you know, normal range because Orlando was extending its defense in their fairly long team. But that being said, they rushed a lot of threes, took a lot of long threes. You know, a couple more passes, they probably get an open shot. Uh, you can't go 0 for 7 as a starter from 3 and 1 of 12 from the field. And, like, the one that drove me nuts was when he kind and it came down and got in a pick and roll with Drummond and then just took a just a bad floater with like 12 seconds on the shot clock. And I'm like, oh, you mean you, that like bad runner kind of shot? He yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can't take that shot. You can get that shot anytime you want in the NBA. That's the end of the shot clock shot. You know, that's work for a better shot. You And, and Damian Dotson really was rushing his shot. Which well, do that. Yeah. And JaVale McGee really needs to you know, give the ball up, get back. If it's not a dunk or a very, or a, you know, hook shot from within six feet, give it up, repost, get it back, get it to somebody else. I mean, it's just, there's too much of that, too much freelancing. And, and I feel like the, you know, Drummond and McGee have a little too much, um, freedom in the offense and, and it, and it's hurting the team a little bit. Especially, you know, Drummond with the tur- turnovers and McGee with the bad shots. And it doesn't help that, you know, if either of them get fouled, it's a lost cause on the free throw line in many respects. Although, I mean, between... It, it needs to put some foul trouble, but yeah, other than yeah. that. Yeah. But no, I absolutely agree. I just, I feel like that, not to excuse the things you're complaining about, because they're completely legit. Uh, but it's something that you see as the game goes on gets exacerbated when other shots aren't falling, when shooters aren't making their shots, and you get players that are like, well, I think I can score, and they push the issue. And you know, that's definitely what you get with Drummond, what you have with McGee, you get with Dodson, eventually you got with Jetty. It's players taking shots they wouldn't normally take because right. they're like, well, we just need to get some type of offense. 
Yeah, and and conversely, I actually thought even though he went eight for twenty, I actually thought Sexton had a really solid game offensively. Um, I agree. I, I didn't really feel like well, a the team needed him to score. B, I didn't feel like any of his shots were really terrible shots. Um, and actually, he missed a couple open threes that, like, at this point right now, you feel like that's almost an automatic when he gets an open three, and you're surprised when he misses. And he had a couple of yep. those tonight. But, you know, 21 points, four assists, only no turnovers. And he broke LeBron James's record for... I believe most 20 point plus games in a row to start the season for the Cavs. I think that sounds right. I remember them talking yeah. about like him tying it last game. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, it's the other game. What was, he was like second in the league. They said in points in the paint. And I mean, with his field goal percentage over 50%, I mean, who would have thought of that two years ago? Yeah. We now, were, now a lot of that is transition, you know, but the, those are great shots. So you, you can't right. complain about it at all. Right, it's, I don't care where they came from. It's again, I just remember all of us hitting ourselves in the head with a hammer every time he went to the basket two years ago. Right, where it was just like, Jesus, when is this kid going to learn where, what his shot is and stop taking mid-range shots? And now his mid-range shots are basically just to break a drought in the offense. Yeah, no, he, he's he's been much better with his shot selection. He had very good shot selection tonight. Javale McGee had awful shot selection. <laughs> Chetty Osman, for the most part had subpar shot selection. Um, I don't think Jetty's shot selection was particularly bad. It, it, he it took a lot game. of deep threes and he took and he rushed a lot of shots early in the shot in the in the, and he missed layups too. And yeah. yeah. The layups he missed were frustrating, but that that's kind but of that's a still point. a good There's, shot. You gotta you gotta take it. Right. There are layups he typically makes and range for him typically isn't an issue. I mean his three-point percentage tends to be more about rhythm and how he's moving into the ball and how he gets it. But him being two, three feet off the line, I mean, that's never been a problem for him. I, 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 they didn't seem like great shots to me. They felt rushed, but I mean, I, I, they, I, I probably feel that way because they didn't go in. So that <laughs> at least that's my opinion. Yeah. And it's, yeah. of course, I, I've always, always been a little bit of a homer for him, yeah. but I think he took in general, he took a lot of good shots that two days ago went in and in the first three games went in. So I, and not to mention someone had to take the shot. So I, I don't, well, let, I'll get that. to that. And that kind of take gets me to my next point of Isaac Okoro had what I thought was a really good game. You know, his plus minus was skewed because he played a lot in garbage time, which totally perplexed me because if, if you've got a guy that's a starter, but you're not going to play him extended minutes, but he still it's gets 28 minutes and he plays a bunch in garbage time, like, what are you doing? Yeah, I didn't get that at all. <laughs> so if everyone was worried about, oh, well, are we going to have enough minutes to give him, you know, and then or, he plays 28. <laughs> right. And it's like when we didn't actually need him, but we're really going to yeah. need him tomorrow. Yeah. That, and, and actually, I thought he had a very good game. He's four or five. Um, two assists, no turnovers, 10 points. Um, he had some really nice finishes on drives. Um, yeah, some of those layups I did not think were going to go in, and, and he just then, managed to force it to work. 
Yeah, and it was really good. The, the, the other thing is he is a very willing and able passer, and it was always making the swing pass to the open guy, and I felt like really good things happen when he touched the ball. The problem was he you're literally starting him at shooting guard, and he's hardly ever touching the ball. He's touching the ball like one every five possessions. That's You can't do that. You, yeah. you've, got, you've got to let that guy touch the ball, and he's making the right play, and the ball's not coming back to him. And that, to me, was kind of emblematic of the Cavs' offense in general. Um, and he needed a lot more touches. And if you're going to start him at a two-guard, let him be a two-guard, you know. Well, I think it's the same thing that both of us have talked about, about how they've misused Jetty in the last couple of years as well, where yeah. they, you know, put him at the three and then move him to the four. Yeah. And he's someone that's much more effective when he's touching the ball and he's not hesitant to give it up. Yeah. And so when you make him someone that's just posted up in the corner, you're just kind of wasting his skill set. And then you're leaning on the skills that he has weak, that he's weakest at to be his strengths and it well and I, and I don't mind that so much but there should never be a game where Lamar Stevens gets nine shots and Isaac Okoro gets five <laughs> or JaVale <laughs> McGee gets six shots and Isaac Okoro gets five uh you know in 28 minutes that's ridiculous <laughs> and again as i said before with mcgee it just he seemed like he didn't know where he was the entire game <laughs> go home go home javel you're drunk <laughs> he's been taking he was taking the same shots he's been making yeah. every game for us but he was like three four feet away and his shots were like three four feet short yeah and it's just he constantly wasn't aware of it where he's at the top of the key or at the elbow instead of being closer to the restricted area where he's reliable right uh, the other thing that I saw him doing, um, or or rather, yeah, I was going to talk about, you know, Lamar Stevens had a really good game. I really thought he got his legs under him in garbage time, you know, four, nine, six rebounds, 10 points, um, threw together a string of baskets in garbage time. And that's a guy, you know, they tried to give a shot to tonight. I, I kind of did not understand at all why he was getting minutes over Damian Dotson or they were playing him together some, but it's like, you know, are you trying to win this game or are you not? And maybe, maybe they weren't, but it was, well, that's also the thing though. You don't know how bad Dotson's injury was. Oh, that's right. That's true. I forgot about that. So yeah, Dotson was in and out of the lineup or hurt his ankle was, kind of got shaken up in the first half and then hurt his ankle in the second half worse. So, right, yeah, so that was... So I didn't overly judge that because I figured they were kind of trying to balance I forgot about that, so that's it. a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it uh, was it was rough. They definitely, you know, ran out of... I don't know if they ran out of grit and grind. I just felt like they ran out of uh, offense. <laughs> you know, too many guys that are not good offensive tra- players trying to do too much. Um, but so much of their offense this year has come off of their defense because when oh, they've yeah. had, you know, lacking offense, when they've had, you know, shots just won't drop, the fact that they've had, you know, the ridiculous amount of deflections from Nance, and yeah. I think Nance is now also leading the league in steals, and then the steals from Drummond and all of that, they've gotten so many plays in transition where you could have, like, you or me running that transition yeah. and we have a chance at scoring. So I, I think that's really helped shore up their offense when they've had holes. And as you saw the second half, I think the deflections and the steals started slowing down. Uh, 
and that's also where the bit of zone that we've been running, uh, if the other team can shoot their way out of it, it kind of destroys. Yeah, and uh, this is a team that, that shoots a lot of threes and shoots them really well. I mean, they've got one of the best, if not the best, bench scorers in the league in Terrence Ross, who scored 20 tonight on nine shots, five of six from three in t- just under 22 minutes. I mean, he just roasted the Cavs. Um, well, Ross definitely has that, but the team doesn't. Uh, going into the previous game we played, they were 29th in the league in three-point percentage, I believe. Well, they, they're better now. <laughs> well, obviously. No, they jumped like seven uh, seven places after yeah, the game. Yeah, and, you know, Aaron Gordon had a really good two games against the Cavs. He was had 15 tonight, uh, 15, 8, and 3. Uh, two or two from the three-point line. I believe the previous game he was, he had like seven threes or something like that. I think he was six of eight. Six of eight. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He he roasted the Cavs, and then, of course, you know, surprising Mike Fratello and uh, oh, what's their other guy's name? I can't remember his name. John Michael. John- yeah, John Michael tonight. Nikola Vucevic was, you know really competent offensively 16 points seven rebounds six assists and they're like oh this guy's really good i was like yeah he's been an all-star the last two years he's he's like the second best center in the east he's pretty good (laughs) like you should know who this guy is (laughs) it's not like exactly news yeah he had one play before garbage time where he kept uh larry nance on his right shoulder for like three seconds and then just kept making him think he was going to go to the middle and then Larry bit and then he just went baseline and just smoked him with jump hook. It was like, and and you've got to be a pretty good offensive player to get Larry Nance to bite on a fake. Um, He he doesn't do it too much, although he he did it a couple times tonight, but um, yeah, Nick Vucevic really does a nice job directing that offense. Uh, as Fratello pointed out, he's a three-level scorer. You know, he can... You absolutely have to guard him from the three-point line. He will shoot without hesitation, as he did the night before. Uh, tonight, he was one for five, but, you know, still... They run a, they can run a five-out offense, and, and they're really solid. But again, it just felt like the Cavs running out of bodies, and the Cavs... Uh, and Drummond being out just really hurts them. And I think uh, what you said about Vucevic makes a lot of sense as well. Okay, I think that's going to be an Achilles heel for the Cavs right now because they have a lot of bigs that are actually pretty mobile. You know, mm-hmm. they can guard several positions, but they're still not perimeter players. Right. And for a lot of teams, we can, especially with the zone, we can clog up the interior. But then when you're pulling Drummond and you're pulling JaVale out to the three-point line and you have a center that even if he isn't necessarily making his outside shots – you know they could, it kind of mucks up our defense. And I think that's a big part of it. You don't have the the long arms of those guys inside and Nance as well that are making all those deflections and playing kind of the LeBron free safety sort of position. And it really stymies some of our defense that's able to really shut down some of the teams in the league. Yeah, and it's it's definitely... It's definitely a difficulty against a team that executes as well as Orlando does tonight because they're really good at getting Terrence Ross on pin downs. And you saw it the same thing the other night with 
the Pacers and Doug McDermott. I mean, teams that really execute in the half court well, the Cavs have a hard time against. Absolutely. Because the you know, it it when you scout well against the Cavs, you can kind of know who to pick on. Uh, there are times that, you know, Colin Sixton still gets really lost off the ball. He had one tonight where he chased a skip pass and tried to steal it in midcourt and just missed the steal because it was a bounce pass. And it just ended up 10 feet from the guy that it was he was guarding. And if he did just rotated to the guy, he wouldn't have had a, you know, open 24 footer and then the guy and then he just canned the the three it was it, it's frustrating to watch uh but yeah orlando's a really solid team there's a reason they're a playoff team last you know i don't remember the play you're talking about in general but i, I definitely know what you're talking about with colin now uh, on the flip side i would say his interior defense and body positioning and lateral movement has gotten much better there was one play i forget when even was where he was just bodying up someone much bigger than him right under the basket and was able to just put his chest into him, not fall and just laterally move with him the whole time and force a bad shot. And he's been able to do that more and more and him packing on more and more muscle the last couple of years leads me to believe that at least he's not going to be a liability. No. Uh, And especially again with the zone defense where you're able to, kind of cover that interior with the big guys and that we have uh well obviously there's a reason we went into the game still second in the league in defense yeah i <laughs> yeah i don't know Which if that matters when you're as bad as they are on offense right now but yeah well if they were as bad on defense we'd look a lot worse <laughs> yeah yeah and and that's what you worry about you know going forward especially on a really solid team in Memphis tomorrow night. Um, you know, now, is John are, Morant still out? He he is, but Memphis is still winning. Um, you know, they they have a very deep team. Let me see we what the record is. I'm sorry. Hey, well, we thought we did, which we yeah. did until missing half of our damn lineup. Yeah, although they did just drop two to the Lakers. I guess they are two and five, but that's coming off a of two. Two lost set to the Lakers, so they were two and three before that. And, and well, I and get, it's early in the season, so I oh, mean, absolutely. again, it's going to have flukes. It's again, it, I'd like to believe that we are as good as our record showed two days ago, but you know, I don't know how that's going to hold up. Now, granted, we the Cavs have <laughs> well, the injuries keep coming. It, it's going to be rough, and and we can talk about that a little bit. I mean, I, I've gotten into it on Twitter with a couple people just going over you know why why is this team carrying four centers or you know why is Dean Wade on the team it's like well because the Cavs never thought that literally they'd be getting 20 minutes a night to a guy who should be in the G League right now in Lamar Stevens you know right well speaking of Dean Wade it's I feel terrible because Honestly, if you watch him on the floor, he's played well. He's oh, just the shot. No, you and I disagree. <laughs> I think there's a lot of moments where he's played well, and he's mobile for a four. But the shots that we've seen him drain in Summer League and in G League and in spot minutes in the past just haven't gone in. If he, if he, is, if he had hit threes the way that you would expect him to in the open threes he's taken, everyone would be a lot happier with his performance. Well, yeah. I mean, if, if my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle. 
I mean, you could, say, you could say the same thing about Thon Maker. Uh, I, at, at a certain point, I, I you understand have... that. I understand that, but I mean, there's a certain amount. It's there's a little bit of randomness to it. I mean, it, as we said, that what was the Cavs, you know, three point shooting today? It's uh, I mean, Sexton was the only one that could drain a three, and there's good three yeah. point shooting players on the team. Wade's had very limited chances to show himself, and yeah, and he's and missed s- a few open shots. So much of NBA offense is about rhythm and, you know, you get a rhythm with certain guys and when you know where your shots are coming from, you know, you have a better, you know, your brain kind of engages that muscle memory a little more quickly and does a little better job of getting into the shot it's expecting to get it to get into. And I I think one of the problems with Dean Wade is people aren't used to playing with him. I got really annoyed uh, my my least favorite Colin Sexton moment of the night was when he ran a pick and pop with Dean Wade and Wade came open and I'm like, you've got to get him the ball there. You've got to get him a shot there because you can't just wing it over to Lamar Stevens who's flashing to the top of the key. Like, if you're not giving Dean Wade the ball on pick and pops, he shouldn't be out there. Right. <laughs> That's literally the only reason he's out there. Right. Um, well, he's Kevin Love light. I mean, yeah, exactly. Well. Yeah, but you Kevin Love would be an NBA player even if he couldn't shoot threes or well maybe not but, now but 10 no, years I, ago I he was <laughs> you know but right. yeah that's how, that's how you got to use Dean Wade and if you're not giving him the ball but I mean he played 13 minutes tonight and didn't have a rebound that's he literally had no, no he had two points and no other stats in 13 minutes that is not good <laughs> that you you are not playing a good floor game when that happens. So, you know, you get a block, yeah, get a steal, good. get a rebound. I just feel like if he's not hitting shots, he shouldn't be out there because he's not doing anything. You know, and then you've got, conversely, uh, Thon Maker, who just drives me nuts, um, especially tonight when he was missing weak side rebounds, when he should have been crashing defensive boards and the – the magic were just getting on the boards and getting getting putbacks, and it's like, no, Thon, you got to. Why aren't you boxing somebody out? I know you have no lower lower body strength, but you've got to you've got to put your back into somebody. And he just wasn't that. And his motor drives me crazy. And and yet he's two or three tonight, had six rebounds and six points. You know, he he put in a okay box score, but man, I he didn't pass the eye test for me. He really drove me nuts tonight. He is an enigma to deal with because he has moments of utter brilliance where you're like, oh, my God, I'm so glad we have him on the team. And it's, you know, yeah. that five-on-one break that he start, stopped the other game. Yeah. And then other times where it's like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Like, it, it, it's like my eight-year-old kid would, you know, know what to do in this situation. And you're just kind of floating around. Yeah, it's like – and they talk about guys' motors. And you don't feel like he has a bad motor because he's lazy. It's like he forgets to turn it on. <laughs> right, which he doesn't know where to direct it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean – he has so many moments where you're like, why is he just standing there? And then you you, you see he has that play where he, he breaks up a one on five and, and that but part of that's just young players and he hasn't had a lot of playing time in the NBA. The Cavs are playing, you know, significant minutes of Dean Wade, uh Lamar Stevens, Thonmaker. All all those guys are not guys that have a lot of experience in the NBA and they're they're really still learning. You're not 
are going to win ball games. Playing right, when like you're that. not even yeah. playing them in the same position necessarily, you know, yeah. we're playing three big lineups and they don't yeah. necessarily know what they're doing. The lineup keeps changing, so they don't even have a scheme that they know. So yeah, it's you or, or they're not even play playing the same position. You know, Thonmaker right. float. They were running a lineup. They ran some crazy two center lineups tonight. They ran a lineup with Andre Drummond at the five and. I, I guess JaVale at the four or however you want to define that. And then, you know, Dean Wade at the three. Um, they did the previous game as well. <laughs> right. And and maybe that is part of the reason Dean Wade didn't have any shots. But I, I got to I have a hard time understanding why he's even out there in that. Suit. <laughs> if if you're not going to give him the ball to shoot. So, yeah, all these guys are are going in and out of different spots, you know, Thon Maker at the four is is rough to watch because he he doesn't have a lot of confidence in the three ball and it's it, you know a little painful to watch. But yeah, the other side are... of that is what are the Cavs going to do? Cut these guys and go sign some veterans? They I don't know if they want to win games that badly, you know. <laughs> well, and there's also which veterans are they going to sign? And yeah. you know, in a month when people everyone comes back, then suddenly they're going to be super shallow at the center. So yeah. it's, it, you know, it's you trade one thing for another. Uh, it, it's I'm just really hoping that a couple of people get healthy in time that we know if it's going to be a legit season or not before the season is, you know, too far down the road. Yeah, well, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I think the Cavs uh, brass, I, I don't know what they're thinking. Like, I don't know if they really are trying to compete or if they're going to give up very quickly. Um, it's weird because I was baffled. The worst, the worst decision of the season so far was playing Kevin Love hurt in a back to back after playing yeah, overtime the night before. It was, and and I almost I don't know if they've overcorrected the other way since, but yeah, that was terrible decision making. Uh, like, imagine right now if we had Kevin Love playing like fourteen minutes a night. You know, it's. Just his gravity alone, even if he didn't take a damn shot or make a damn rebound. Well, or even if he's just taking, not playing in, playing instead of Thon Maker. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. obviously. Yeah. I'm saying it's like just, just the simple gravity of his offense when our offense go, goes cold, even if he doesn't actually make a shot, gives the other, the rest of the offense a chance to make a shot. Yeah. So the fact that we don't have him right now is, I think it's such a bigger handicap than most people even realize or recognize. Oh, I, I, I'll agree with that. But, I mean, now they don't even have Darius Garland. They don't have Dante Exum. They don't have uh, Matthew Dellavedova. They don't have uh, Kevin Porter Jr. I mean, these are all guys to one extent or another. We thought, hey, these guys are all going to play major minutes this year. I mean, I think when the season started, everybody was like, yeah, Chetty, Chetty might have a hard time making, getting 20 minutes a night on this team, the way it, <laughs> the way it's stacking up. And, you know, he's starting and getting 33. And when, when, not to mention Dylan Windler, who, it, yes, you know, exactly. obviously was out really quickly, but no matter what, it, he was at least a good perimeter shooter that, you know, well, and could rebound and, you you and could yes, actually play him at four in a small ball lineup, so. And you can play him at two. It's, it's yeah. He had a lot of uh, talked about how deep we were, and suddenly it disappeared like overnight. 
Yeah, it did. And, and that's hard. And, and I'll give the team a lot of credit because they played hard the whole time. You know, Colin Sexton, his attitude's been great. Um, you know, we've seen some bad body language from Drummond, but I really felt like the Pistons game kind of, not the Pistons, the Hawks game kind of gave him a lesson of, Hey, don't quit. Your team's got your back. You know, cause he had some terrible body language in the third quarter and then sat out for almost, I would say, 30 minutes of real time, not game time. And then yeah, that came, was the one Travail played more minutes than him, right? Yeah. And then came back and, and was impactful. And, you know, the, the team really figured out without him. Um, and since then, it's felt like, okay, this isn't all about Andre Drummond. Like he kind of realized, Hey, this isn't all about Andre Drummond. You know, we we're trying to win ball games and I, and I feel like everybody's doing a pretty good job of trying to share the ball. Um, you know, I, as I've said, I think Larry Nance is a little too unselfish at times. He had a play at the end of the first half that drove me nuts where he passed the ball to JaVale McGee with 1.2 seconds left on the shot instead oh, of shooting yeah, that it. That was so frustrating. It's like, you got to shoot that shot. <laughs> he was right there. It's, yeah. It wasn't necessarily an easy shot, but, but it was you, a makeable <laughs> shot, and it wasn't putting somebody in it. In just completely in a corner. Well, and especially the last guy on the team other than probably Thawnmaker that you want to put in that situation. I mean, yeah. you don't want to give JaVale McGee the ball with 1.5 seconds left on the shot. Do you want him to end up on Shaqton and a Fool again? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> What's rough is for Nance, his shot hasn't been dropping like it yeah. has. He was years. a little better tonight. He stepped into a three. He was one of three from three tonight, but he stepped into a, the one with confidence, which I was really happy about. Well, he's actually been a little bit less hesitant to take threes this year. Yeah, they haven't been hitting him. Dropping, yeah. right? I mean, his touch. So like there's something going it. on with his touch because he was awful at the line tonight. He had two o a two trips. Yeah, and that's just it's just rough for somebody that you depend on that much for. Yeah, I mean, being the focal point of the team, even if he's technically supposed to be a bench unit guy. Yeah, and then that, that's part of the problem with the Cavs front line is when you've got. Drummond and JaVale McGee, who are terrible at free throws, or not, yeah, they're bad. And yeah, then bad. Nance, who isn't a great free throw shooter, but when he has a bad night, it's just like, I mean, it stands out. Um, and, oh, Jack can I really straight from the free throw line, yeah, unfortunately? It's weird because I feel like this season, Jetty's been much better, but he's been super all over the place from three like i I gotta look and see what his stats are to see i feel like he's shooting threes at a much or at the free throw line at a much better clip this year free throw percentage right yeah he's at 75 percent is his best since uh 2018 2019 when he which he's a weirdly all over the place free throw shooter in general because his rookie year 57 percent then the next year, 78. Then he dropped back down to 67. Now he's up to 75. I mean, he's, yeah, really all over the place. And it kind of shows you how much he's been, you know, monkeying with his shot mechanics over the years. But I do feel like he's kind of got it dialed in. He doesn't have that weird pause he had last year. It's a lot more fluid motion at the line. So he's just a really weird headspace shooter in general. Yeah. I mean, as we've obviously seen, you know, he'll play three games where he's shooting, you know, like 60% from three, and then suddenly he can't hit a bucket. And, yeah. you know, there's some games where he hits every floater and runner that he takes, and then other games he can't even make a layup. It's 
Yeah. It's frustrating. It's like you wish you could find, I don't know, maybe a really good shrink form or something because it's not his mechanics. And you look at his, especially his three-point mechanics, and as you said, his free-throw mechanics don't look like they have an issue anymore. They look really solid. Just they seem to, some days they work, some days they don't. Yeah, and the other odd thing about the Cavs, I mean, I felt like this was a night, hey, you want to give Colin Sexton the ball and tell him you're getting 30 shots tonight, go do it. This felt like the night to do it, and it feels like, hey, we don't we don't want to get Colin into those habits. <laughs> like, we're trying to push him the other way, and it's like it's such a hard balance to strike. Yeah, because you're absolutely right. I would love to see him take 30 shots tonight. If they don't yeah. go down, they don't go down, but... It's out of anyone else on the roster. I'd rather him take the shot. Yeah, for sure. At least for tonight. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. Anything more you want to say about this game? Anybody particularly impress you or not impress you in the last couple games from the uh, from the Magic? Uh, magic? I, I don't know. It's, it, I still have never paid enough attention to them to have too much of an opinion. I mean, Well, I love Vucevic, but... We talked about He's that. He's a mixed bag. He annoys me at some points because he has a kind of, it's not, I'm trying to come up with the right word for it because it's not dirty basketball, but the best word I've come up with is European. Where it's <laughs> that, the Knowing the little bit of stuff that you can get away with. Oh, yeah. We talked about this with Sabonis. Yeah, yeah well, exactly. And then uh, I was talking to my parents about this and they joked and said it was Lithwalk basketball. It was uh, what? Lithuanian oh, okay. basketball because Sabonis has the mix of you know being a European basketball player and uh, having a uh, parent in the NBA yeah. where you the things you can get away with and yeah. Vucevic has a little bit of that stuff that gets on my nerves but if he was on my team I'd be really happy about it so it's not entirely fair to yeah exactly about it and yeah and then obviously you got Ross who can just light it up at any given moment. Um, and then you've got NBA enigma Aaron Gordon, who everybody thought was going to be an all-star and is, you know, he is what he is. He's a, he's, a he's one of those, depending on the game, he could look like an all-star. <laughs> he's like a more athletic Harrison Barnes at this point. Like he can, he's a solid starter. You, you, he could get minutes on a championship team, but he's not going to be your star. And I don't know if he's going to be a star on a bad team. Like, right. like he's, he's just, just almost too passive or too. I don't know what it is. You just can't rely on him to be what he can be every night. And yeah. I mean, that's the same thing with Harrison Barnes. I mean, look at the 2016 championship where we had, yeah. we had where Harrison Barnes just suddenly became a liability for Golden State the entire game. I don't but think Harrison I, Barnes was on that team. Yeah, he was. That's where he went like one for 10. How was it? Yeah, because they picked up Durant the year afterwards and they dropped Barnes. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. But he had that like ridiculous shooting drought for one or two games where we were able to really, really capitalize on it. It's, yeah. But it's the same point. I mean, he puts up stats, and that's why he's bounced around being like the pseudo star on a bunch of bad teams since then. And hell, I picked him up on my fantasy team because he's going to stack the stat sheet for me. Yeah. Um, Speaking of um, <laughs> my star, Bradley Beal had 60 tonight. <laughs> he had 60 tonight? He did, and they yeah. lost. <laughs> I was happy that Hayward uh, had, what, I think 41 or 39 or something. Yeah. Yeah, dude, you're seeing some crazy scores. And that's why, like, like you see what was the score tonight in that Washington game. It was insane. Um, now i got to look it up. 
Yeah, I, I got think, my but, uh, 141 Philly, Washington 136 in regulation. <laughs> Jesus, that was regulation. <laughs> it was regulation. And the Cavs scored 81. <laughs> How many points did the Cavs score? Uh, no, it was 91, I 94, think. but they were sitting on 81 for a while yeah. and it felt like 90 was going to be a chore. And then the zoo crews came in. So it it was work to get to 94. Just imagine if we had the defense that we had last year, it would have been 94 to like 178. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was rough for sure. Um, and that's where the Cavs inability to score points and running these, you know, three big man lineups is it's just not sustainable um do you feel- just where we need either bucket getters or floor generals and yeah. that's where you need you know kevin porter jr or you need garland or you need delavadova or even a little bit of a middle ground middle ground is dante axum who's still more of a defense but he still is more of a floor general yeah kind of guy. you just need somebody that's able to get all those other guys on the lineup that aren't instant offense to be able to get some offense yeah well I, and i'll say the other thing about exum is exum even when he is really good at initiating the play letting the action happen then finishing like he's a really good cutter like so he can get the ball into the post and cut Whereas, you know, some of these guys, like Dotson doesn't strike me as a great cutter. He just wants to camp out at the three line. Right, um, or take kind of bad turnaround mid-ranges, mid-rangers, <laughs> which unfortunately he's good enough at that you can't yeah. get too mad at him about. Yeah, I, I guess that was my only one tonight where I was like, okay, what is Colin doing when he posted up? Missed a turnaround, got his own rebound, and then missed another turnaround worse. So that was that was you know shot selection. Those are the probably the two that he should have let go. But yeah, I mean, it's. Yeah. Do you think that this team, if it looks like these injuries are going to continue, which we're still another week away from Garland and everybody else, feels like they're out at least longer than that. I mean, we've got no ETA on Delhi. We got no ETA on KPJ. Um, Exum, they said six to eight weeks which in some respects is terrible for the team, but the other side of it is I when he went down the other day, it felt it, like... It looked like an ACL or MCL. No, or it looked like an Achilles to me. Or, yeah. Because the way yeah, he went well. down, grabbed the back of his leg, and it was a non-contact, I was like, oh, that's not good. So I'm glad it's just a strained calf. I, I mean, just quote air quotes, but... Yeah. I think... The team's going to look at the next two weeks, at least this is what I would do, and see kind of, you know, if we get Delhi back, uh, what's going on with Porter, uh, what's going on with Garland. And if some of these people start to filter back quickly, I think we're going to take the season seriously. I think if we get two, three weeks from now, and they continue to obviously not win a ton, and the people aren't coming back, then we're going back to Tankathon. Well, I guess my question is, is in the interim between now and do you make a move? Like, I don't know if um, Damian Dotson is hurt. If he is, like, everybody's talking about, like, the the Cavs have six guys that are out right now but can't get an NBA hardship, you know, because they're still fielding. I think they played. I thought there were seven. Yeah, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, no, I think it's six. There's a seven if you count Dodson. 
it, it's six because they ran nine guys that were on the roster tonight, and then Lamar Stevens and Marquise Bolden are on two ways. It's seven if you count Dotson. But, I mean, if you're okay. doing that, are you going to... If they get a hardship, I mean, I know the guy I want them to bring in tomorrow. Um, and the, there's two roster moves I'd make. I would probably dump Thon Maker and and either get another wing or uh, go get a guy like Jake Diallo, who you know can defend and is a much better finisher um, and, and more athletic. And then the other guy I'd bring in is, you know, you got to bring in another point guard. I'd bring in Emmanuel Moutier, who, you know, still just 23, had a solid year last year, has a, basically plays at an NBA replacement level. Um, you know, his VORP over the last two years has literally been zero. So, you know, if you can get a replacement level NBA player off the street, yeah, that would help, help them a ton because, you know, Lamar Stevens and Dean Wade and, you know, Thonmaker are playing. I, I I don't have to look at the stats, I guess. They're playing below replacement level. So Yeah, it's, again, I wouldn't give up on Dean Wade yet. Cause, uh, and, uh, I wouldn't give up on him, but I would definitely give up on Thonmaker. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 that I agree with, even though I, I don't want to. I wish we didn't have the injuries yeah. so that we could be in a situation where the Cavs could continue to occasionally throw him in and see if he's going to really figure it out. Right. Uh, but with the situation they're in right now, I agree. It's, it, but still, just with Dean Wade, there's so many things I've seen in his game that I really like. And it goes back to kind of your muscle memory thing you were talking about. Yeah. Where it's, uh, when I was playing in a band, like in my early 20s, I uh, was originally a guitar player and then uh, switched over to playing bass. And whenever I'd play a show sober, I would suck. I'd just be <laughs> utterly terrible because I'd overthink what I was doing. I'd fat finger notes and screw stuff up. But as long as I had like three, three or four beers in me, <laughs> practiced enough that I would just automatically do what I was supposed to do. And I actually looked like I was good so at what I was doing. So you're saying Dean Wade needs to drink, drink a couple beers before the game. Technically not what I was saying, but yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> or, or maybe some other mood-enhancing substance well, to get him out of his own head. Uh, yeah, once he gets a little bit into it and has played enough NBA games, I think those shots that you're used to seeing him being able to drain will go in. And it's just that getting out of your own head. <laughs> Can you afford and, to wait that long? <laughs> well, it depends how long it takes. And you're right. If if it's something that, you know, three weeks from now and he's still getting major minutes and he still can't hit a damn shot, then... Well, maybe he's never going to get over it. Yeah, I, I don't know. Just, I'm, uh, I'm having a hard crap. time buying it. It's just, sometimes it's a holy crap, I'm getting my chance, and I really need to make the shot, and no, it doesn't go in. And as soon as you can get to that point of just, I'm just playing the game that I've been playing my whole life. Yeah, I mean, to uh, me, you look at a guy who literally was probably in his second game, really his first game of getting real NBA minutes, um in in the regular season in Lamar Stevens and you know he had confidence he was trying to get it done i am scared of a guy that's afraid of the moment you know and right now to me dean wade really seems like he's afraid of the moment i just think he, he's more conscious of the moment than scared of the moment but maybe i'm misreading it just cuz i'm the guy yeah i don't know i mean I, 
put up or shut up times. Do you understand what I mean by? Oh, I do. I just, I, I wonder when we're going to see it. it. And of course, the other side of that is Chetty Osman, who doesn't seem to be afraid of the moment, but sometimes feels like he should be. <laughs> yeah. But I hope he put in extra work after the game shooting tonight because I'm sure he was thrilled with her seven. Um, is there anybody you would bring in uh, from an NBA free agent standpoint if if you could? Or do you need? would you need to see who's out there? Yeah, I would need to look more into that. Uh, okay, uh, well, yeah, I'm going to actually pull up um, the list of available NBA free agents at kind of the guard and, and wing spot and uh and we'll walk through that real quick because i i did this online today what's sad is we really need a two three and that's a position that we should be super deep at right now <laughs> and well and a little bit of well, obviously a point guard as well but um yeah i mean i to me the need is is it point guard more right now but who, who knows if that's going to be relevant in a week Right, that's that's where kind of the hiccup is because that to me that's why you want to get a combo guard that can play both. You basically need a long point guard. Is yeah. kind of the best thing for the Cavs right now. Yeah. But so here are the best available veterans by position, according to Forty Eight Minutes dot com, which is the new Sam Amico site, um, or just the new host name. Anyway, we got JJ Barea, who's thirty six. I think no. Yeah. Kai Bowman, who's 23. I don't know a lot about him. Yogi Ferrell. Um, and the problem with Yogi Ferrell is he's 27, not a great defensive player, but he, cause he's short. Um, but didn't he has like one crazy standout like few weeks a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. No, he literally played himself out of the G League into a pretty solid contract. The problem is, you know, the last, year his three-point shooting really fell off he was shooting 30 percent and this is after having a season of shooting 40 and 37 and 36 um and i don't know if that was injury but he really fell off last year he's only six foot tall which you know maybe dan gilbert would be interested um you know you got josh gray who i've never heard of um brandon knight who we've all (laughs) we all remember the brandon knight experience and i don't think I think we all can agree you can't really count on Brandon Knight for anything. Although, to be fair, if you got nothing else, at least he's not bad at basketball. No, the problem with Brandon Knight, though, is can, do you want another guy with an injury history on your team? No, that's a good point. <laughs> uh, then you got that. Jeremy Lin, who is not the worst, but he is 32 at this point and has never been a great defender. Um Frank Mason, I actually think, is kind of an interesting guy, but he's even shorter than um, Yogi Yogi Ferrell. So, so Dan will be really into him. But he can't shoot either is the other problem. <laughs> you know, he's 45% from inside the line and 28%, 29% from outside last Um, You know, you got Moudier actually I think is the best of this bunch. Uh, 300 games under his belt, shot 35% from three last year, 46% from the field, you know, seven point. He had a season in New York where he dropped 15 and four points and assists. So, you know, and that was only two seasons ago. So it's not like he can't score, but his, his true shooting percentage has never been great. I think it, the best true shooting he's had was, 
uh, last year at 54, which is not great, but it's around league average there. I mean, he's a guy they, I think would still have some upside, but. Can they pick up Jordan McRae? They could. Orange Mamba <laughs> is a possibility, but he is more of a, a wing. Um, I know. I was just really expecting more of a laughing reaction to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 I had to, uh, I don't, Hey, that is NBA champion Jordan McRae to you. Okay. True. <laughs> so, and he had, but, what, 36 points in an NBA game, something did like it, that? Yeah, like one of those end-of-the-season NBA yeah, games the where every game single got sitting. Yeah, Booby Gibson did that one year <laughs> where every starter sat and Booby started and scored like 30-something. But, but Jordan also had like 50-some or 60 in a G League game. I mean, eh. yeah. Oh, he can get buckets. Yeah, there's another guy. Shabazz Napier is actually a pretty good player. Um, and is a guy who's a legit right floor general. I'm sorry. Is, is he actually open right now? Yeah, he's a, he's a free agent. So uh, the problem is he's only six foot. He is 29, but he can actually run an NBA team. He actually scored in double digits last season. So I'm I'm a little bit surprised he's not on an NBA team. But I think he probably will be before the end of the season. Is you know, injuries mount up and teams need an actual veteran point guard to run their, you know, second and third unit. Well, especially um, if you're going to have uh, COVID protocols and stuff. He's yeah. someone I would consider, even though, you know, there's deficiencies. But if we can, especially if the Cavs can get an injury waiver to get in yeah. a player. Like, yeah, I mean, if you get somebody who's actually competent and can run an NBA offense, that would be enormous for the Cavs right now. Like, as depleted as they are. And ironically, they could actually suffer the little bit of a hit to their defense at the moment. Yeah, I mean, that's not the issue, <laughs> for sure. For sure. Then you've got uh, Gary Payton II, who's kind of bounced between the NBA and the G League over the last several years. Um, decent defender, you know, like his dad, but the problem is he's he's just not a great shooter. Um, he's career 26%, um, and he's, only, he's 6'3", he's you know, got decent size for a combo guard, but he's just, he's strictly defensive for the most part. There's Kobe Simmons, who had a cup of coffee with the Cavs a couple of years ago. Yeah, um, I remember him. So he's available. Uh, what, what are some of these other guys? Um, yeah, we bring back Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but, yeah, that's I kind of the list. For I mean I don't recognize Tyrone Wallace or Justin Robinson or Justin Wright Foreman. I mean the rest of these guys are basically G League guys. But then there's the idea you bring Saint Weirdo home. Dion Waiters. Oh, is he a free agent right now? Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. NBA champion Dion Waiters. Is it sad that that doesn't sound like a terrible idea? <laughs> it sounds like a terrible idea. He was well, so bad in the playoffs last year. But well, in the regular... Objectively, like statistically and objectively with where we are right now, <laughs> I don't entirely hate that. Uh, the problem is, is I don't think he's a guy you want on this team. Just um, given his history of everything that's happened in the last few years. No, that's a good point. And just the chemistry in the team seems to actually be a strong point right yeah. now. Yeah. I mean, do you want to bring in a guy who literally had drug problems last season? <laughs> uh, what about the middle ball brother? 
<laughs> the shoplifter, the one that caused an international incident in China, yeah. that one? Yeah, that one. <laughs> Leangelo? No, I don't think so. He can't. Baldwin can pass, right? <laughs> <laughs> he can shoot a two-handed jump shot. <laughs> um, We're scratching the bottom of the barrel. Oh, here. we really are. I mean, Mon Shumpert's available, but I did not know this until I looked it up. Amon Shumpert has not shot over 40% from the field since 2017. Oh, wow. Good for him. I mean, he four straight seasons, he shot below 40% from the field. That is tough to do and even be on an NBA team. He never even really figured out his team defense, did he? No, but he he could always shump people. (laughs) I guess there's that, but... Yeah. I mean, here's my idea. I think the Cavs should bring in Antonius Cleveland just so that there's a Cleveland playing on Cleveland. I don't know who that is. Well, I, well he shot 29% from the field last year. Oh, well, <laughs> then we should definitely pick him up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty slim pickings out there. I mean, there are guys like Troy Daniels is out there. He's not the worst, but now we're really getting away from guys that are point guards and getting into, you know, wings at this point. There's just not a lot of guys out there. So, uh, I mean, to me, aside from a Moutier or a uh, Shabazz Napier, that it's kind of a wait and see for the Cavs. Yeah, I think those are kind of the best options at the moment. Yeah. And, but I still think a lot of it does depend on kind of an injury waiver because, yeah, I think we'd really be able to pick them up on a two-way, and well, I guess we could get rid of Maker, and it wouldn't really matter. But it's still <laughs> nice having the extra length just in case. Well, yeah, and, and and I'd like to give him time to develop, but he he's kind of a very frustrating player, like you and I talked about it. Um, right, he's just he has those moments of brilliance and those moments of like, how did you ever get to the NBA? Yeah. Oh, the the other guy that somebody mentioned when I was talking to you on Twitter today was Mario Hazonia. I was like, no, he can't shoot. <laughs> but now we're really getting into guys that are more forwards. I actually, I didn't hate the idea of Kyle Korver. Like, cause you can run an entire bench offense around Kyle Korver. Yeah. Just from people being scared of it <laughs> or just him running off that curl. Like he, yeah. like uh, who Doug McDermott did the other night over and over and over again. The Cavs basically won a playoff series off of doing that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, that's not the worst idea. But, yeah, there's not a lot of guys out there. So, unfortunately. So, we will uh, see what happens. I would not – I really hope Damian Dotson isn't out for a few games because then, then you really are – you're starting to endanger the other guys on your team just from the amount of minutes that they're playing. So I really think if somebody else got hurt, they would get an injury, you know, waiver to be able to sign a guy. Um, right, because right now you have Jetty playing the three and the two, and he's playing basically all of the three because they don't really have one. Yeah, and I mean, Justin Stevens the is two, their backup is three right now. Who? Justin Stevens. Stevens. Is that a, I didn't know that was a person. I, I literally talked about him this entire – or Lamar Stevens, I'm sorry. Oh, Okay, then, no, that makes more sense. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, because I was looking at uh, I was looking at Justin Anderson, uh, for, who who played for the Ma- Mavericks, um, and that was throwing me off. Anyway, but yeah, <laughs> okay, so yeah, we got Lamar. We have you know a two way G leaguer, 
and Jetty running the three, and then yeah. Jetty playing the two half the time. Which yeah. I'm glad he's playing the two because he should be. But... And he's really playing the two on offense because right. Isaac Okoro is they're camping him in the corner and he's never getting the ball back. So I actually want to but... see Isaac Okoro get a little more aggressive with his shot. So yeah, but I mean, also it's his first game back. So and what like his third or fourth game in the NBA. So I'm not going to be over As... critical. About that. <laughs> yeah, but. <laughs> It was Lamar Stevens, like he's on a two-way, and he got more, almost twice as many shots. So no, as far as team concept, I think you're right. I'm just saying, as yeah. far as Isaac Okoro, I, I'm not going to blame him for not demanding the ball more. Yeah. Is more of my point. And if they were to bring in another big, maybe get rid of uh, Maker and bring in a big, I'd love it if they brought in John Henson. I actually really liked oh, watching John Henson I last really, year. If we had a way to trade Maker for Henson, or well, they literally Maker could right now because Henson's a free agent and Maker is on a non-guaranteed contract. You're kidding me! What the no, hell is wrong with them? You. What's wrong with them? Well, I, no, what's wrong with them? The Cavs. Why would you not do well, that? Well, like, because now? you kind of know what his ceiling is right now as a player. Uh, you know, when you're talking about John Henson and, and Thon Maker is a guy that, you know, you, you also, you, you think, well, he may have a better ceiling. You maybe can develop him. You know, he has length and athleticism, but. If the Cavs have any desire to win. They should do that right now. <laughs> right. They should do that five seconds ago. Like, that's utterly absurd. I had no idea that Henson was a free agent right now. Yeah, well, I'm with you. <laughs> I mean, because he was, every time he stepped on the floor, he was impact. And he could oh, yeah. play for seven minutes, and he'd be huge. He could play for 30 minutes. Well, and he can play the four or the five because right. he could shoot. I mean, his shot is ugly, but he can hit a catch-and-shoot jump shot, which is something Dwayne, uh, Dean Wade hasn't shown he can do at the NBA level. Well, he was great at deflections. Yeah. Uh, it's always high energy. Great, great chemistry with Larry Nance. Yeah, it was – yeah. you know, So, so your, your recommendation is do that, do that yesterday. Absolutely. Okay. Awesome. If I had Jen Gilbert's number, I would call him and yell at him right now. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, so anything else you want to add? Things you see going around in the NBA, things uh, for the Cavs. I mean, I did not get a chance to recap that Atlanta game the other night, but um, I do feel like that Atlanta game was really the highlight of the season so far. Yeah, I think that, sh- that showed the reasons to believe – that the Cavs weren't necessarily just lucky for the first few games. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, there's still a lot of things to fix. Obviously, you can also blame stuff on injury trouble. But they were really able to just decide, we're going to win this damn game. And Dante Axum's defense on Trey Young was prolific. I mean, holding you know one of the top scorers in the NBA to 16 points. Just completely oh, shutting him down. Oh, he was brilliant. Down. Yeah. It was, it, it's what makes... Exum's injury so depressing and just reinforced the fact that where I thought Exum was going to be an afterthought this season, he was really critical to the team. So, Oh, absolutely. And the one thing I loved more than anything else about that game is that, you know, Trey Young tried his, I'm going to throw myself into you and fall down crap at the end of the game <laughs> twice. And both times Dante Exum didn't bite and the refs didn't bite either. And, that was just, you know, to me, chef's kiss right there. 
that's my biggest frustration with the modern NBA is that curl screen and then throw yourself into somebody and fall down. Yeah. And, and Orlando even got away with it once or twice tonight. It is so frustrating. My biggest thing I've always said is like the, my biggest problem with the NBA is that a biggest, a big part of the game is not about the game. Yeah. It's about others. It's stuff that would get you kicked out of the Y. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's other sports. You, as, I've said you other sports you don't say, well this guy's really great at drawing fouls. It's no, this guy's really <laughs> good at playing the damn game. Yeah, like, like if, if you had a receiver in the NBA or in the NFL that was oh, he's really good at drawing pass interference. Like, right. It would just sound silly. It would sound I mean, ridiculous and literally refs would not let him get away with that. Like right. they would just the the commissioner would say, Yeah, this guy doesn't get away with this anymore. <laughs> and that doesn't happen in the NBA. It's just not the actual game. It's, yeah. I understand the fouls are a big part of it, and you know that you got to make sure people are following rules and whatever. But when you know you have you know like your James Hardens and stuff, that it's well they're great at getting to the free throw line. It's like well they're just great at making a shot. Like wouldn't that be cool? Uh, <laughs> so that whole, especially with the curl screen thing, just drives me absolutely nuts. And it. it and there's got to be some cleanup, and that's why, at least about Euroleague, where there's a technical for flopping. And I really think that's something that the league needs to implement, where you actually get penalized for, you know, acting instead of playing basketball. Yeah, well, did you see that um, Lamelo got his first NBA warning for flopping <laughs> in a game? Yeah, because he had one the other night where he just it was like, oh, "I've been shot." <laughs> Yeah, it was ridiculous. Maybe he anyway. trained Mark Smart. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a really interesting NBA season so far. Like, one, the, the, the best analysis I read about the NBA so far is there, it just doesn't seem like there are any just absolutely terrible teams. Like, on any good night, unless you're playing, like, the Lakers or the Bucks, pretty much any team has a chance to beat any other team. And you playing the box still. Who was it that beat the crap out of them the other night? Ah, uh, I can't remember. But yeah, I mean they. Oh, the Knicks. Yeah. That right before the Cavs played them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really feels like on any given night, any team can beat any other one as long as they're healthy. Um, well, especially the landscape of the East seems like somebody like took a bunch of dice and a yacht. Uh, shook it up and suddenly we're looking at like oh we have to redefine who we think is good in the east now yeah it's kind of entertaining i mean maybe the Cavs are going to fizzle out maybe several of these other teams will but the common knowledge that we've been going on for four years is gone yeah and so many of these young guys where it was like oh this is a really good young prospect like no that's no longer true this is a really good player now like he's not a prospect you know you yeah a guy like Darren Fox or, you know, a guy like uh, who's the guy that's really good with the uh, Suns, Devin Booker. And that's probably a bad example, yep, but I'll, I'll use Devin. I'll, I'll even use Colin Sexton. This guy oh, is no longer a prospect. Jackson. This guy is a good player. And you if you don't guard him, if you don't play him, if you don't scheme around him, he can beat you. I mean, he's setting, you know, several, you know, setting records. uh being in top stats in the league in several different areas and not looking like a liability in other areas. 
You know, yeah. he still has to fix things on defense, and, you know, he still could be a better passer, but he's not looking like the this kid doesn't know how to play basketball that we yeah. remember from, like, week two of when starting on the team. Yeah, or or even, oh, my God, this guy's a black hole and he never passes. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. He's uh, Darius Garland as well. He's injured right now, but he yeah. went from. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know if Darius is that. Like I just got to do it more consistently before we really feel like he's at that level. But oh, I agree. But I mean, he's turning. He was turning heads this year. He's yeah. you know suddenly being you know one of the higher assist players in the East and scoring over fifteen points a game and looking like an NBA starting point guard. Yeah, from being someone that was called the worst statistical player in the league last year. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, well, anything else you want to add? Anything? <laughs> Apparently, Steph Curry is back. I just turned it to the Warriors. <laughs> You know, they're uh, four and three. He had a what sixty two the other night. Yeah, I heard something crazy <laughs> like that. It's no, uh, I. I'm happy the Warriors. The problem is, is that's not why Warriors are back. It's because Draymond Green came back, and they can actually run an NBA rotation now and not give huge minutes to guys that are just giant net negatives. And also, <laughs> one of the most absolute fun things to do. Like I don't like the Warriors. But watching Draymond Green yell at Andrew Wiggins is really funny, <laughs> like because he does it a lot. They <laughs> haven't watched them together, but I imagine. Yeah, well, they're really on ESPN funny. right now, so <laughs> I'll have to tune in after we get off here. Uh, but speaking of the Warriors, it, it goes back to one point about the the curl screen flops and uh, oh yeah, the three point files things, which I feel bad for Clay for his most recent injury. But uh, there's so much of a schadenfreude, I felt, for his previous one. Oh, where yeah. he completely caused it by himself by flopping on a three and hurting himself. And yeah. that was perfect expression of why this is stupid. <laughs> so yeah, well, like, and let's not forget, now, he had the worst uncalled foul in NBA history when he destroyed Kyrie Irving's knee in overtime in game one of the 2000. 2000- oh, yeah. 15 finals so you know karma karma's rough like that's, something, that's something he got away with doing aggressively but like yeah. when the dude tries to yeah get a ps foul called for himself and injures himself and puts himself out for a year it's like as much as i want to feel bad for a human being that's just hilarious <laughs> it's just effectively hilarious <laughs> well i'm 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 not going to engage in the shot and fraud as much as you, I don't know how to pronounce it, but um, Schadenfreude. 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 Well, Ben Worth yeah. would be proud of you. Um, uh, my parents both used to speak fluent German. So. Oh, well, there you go. Um, anything else you want to add about the NBA? I think I'm good at this point. We're still going to have okay. to do fantasy things sometime, but that's going to be a long conversation. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Next question. You got anything to pitch? Um, yeesh. I don't really know if I do. Uh, compression socks. <laughs> wow. Wait, 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 <laughs> we're now in dad talk. <laughs> From being out in the cold all the time and the, uh, 
uh, with my stupid job that I actually finally quit. And uh, from sitting on a bar stool too much when I watch TV in the garage while I can smoke cigarettes, I've been getting swelling in my ankles, and I got compression socks, and they've been helping a lot. Uh, and I found them on sale for seven fifty. It was uh, quite a helpful experience. Well, there so, you go. That, compression socks. Uh, this cast the podcast fit. brought to you by compression socks. <laughs> Copper fit compression socks. What'd you say? Copper fit compression Copper socks. fit. Oh, I mean, go Brett Favre. Here. You're kicking a Brett Favre style. <laughs> Brett Favre and who's in the Jerry Rice <laughs> is in well, those copper fit commercials. What about you? What do you think the pitch? Um, I'm going to pitch a beer called uh, Trogues Troganator, uh, which is a double Doppelbach, and it's excellent. We got it in the Trogues pack. Trogues is a uh, brewery out of Michigan, and we got it in the variety pack, and then we just decided, man, this is so good. We gotta, we gotta get a couple sixers of it. So, I'll also pitch. Um, if you haven't done it, uh, the Red Cross could really use people giving blood right now. Um, so go give blood. Um, you can win tickets to Super Bowl twenty twenty two because somehow they're not giving away tickets to this year's Super Bowl. Because I don't know how many people really want to go um what'd you say they'll even have people there <laughs> yeah exactly um but i'll i'll pitch that and usually the cookies are really good at the end and you get a free covid antibody test so they will test your blood for covid antibodies and let you know whether you have them and you get a cool thing where you find out who used your blood um if your blood gets used so I think that's cool too. And then the other thing I'll pitch, um, I'm a big Taiki Watit. My daughters always make fun of the way I say, I think it's supposed to be Taika Watiti. And yeah, I always, how to pronounce it whatsoever. <laughs> I always say Taika Watiti. But anyway, his movies are awesome. Uh, if you haven't seen Jojo Rabbit, it's incredible. Probably the best movie I saw last year. But I just watched a really good movie that's on Netflix called The Hunt for the Wilder People, which is Sam Neill. And if you've seen um, uh, Deadpool, I think it's Deadpool 2, um, where they have Pyro, the, the kid from New Zealand that plays Pyro. Well, now i got to look up. But because... Um, so I would feel bad if somebody really wanted to know who this kid's name is and the dozens of people listening to us um, <laughs> can't find that out. So uh, let me let me pull up his name. Oh, in the interim, I'm also going to pitch whatever Marvel stuff is finally going to be coming out this month, which is WandaVision or whatever. And, oh, yeah. uh, I'm definitely Julian Dennison. So, um, yeah, so you're excited about WandaVision? To finally see some new Marvel releases, and because uh, yeah, I think it's just Wandavision that's coming out this month. I'm not sure if there's anything else, um, but I'm just excited for that whole kind of train to start back up. Did you watch all of the Mandalorian? No, I still have to do season two. I, oh, okay. I was putting it well, off no, so I could no watch spoilers. season one. Yeah, we yeah we went through this last time, and I'm still oh, guilty of not catching. Yet, uh, I said I was going to, but you know. I'm an imperfect person. <laughs> uh, well, but that's so, yeah, okay. I'm definitely excited about that. And uh, what the hell else was I going to say? Yeah, I don't know. Probably wasn't that important. <laughs> well, uh, well, we'll leave you and check out the Cavs tomorrow night in Memphis. And as always, go Cavs.
Go Cats. Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs Podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. There's a fire. And we're out. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.